In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Lorenzo Vaccarella, Global Director of Engineering for Amphenol Alden in Brockton, Massachusetts. Lorenzo has been with Amphenol since May of 2018, after spending years in the medical device industry. We talk about his time at Amphenol, the challenges and the projects he's most proud of. We talk about his past work experience, the satisfaction of working in the medical industry and moving from the device side to the component side. We talk about leading a team as it adapts to working remotely without a loss of productivity or relying on trust and communication. And we talk about his desert island music and movie, but I challenge him on how enjoyable his book would be if he were really stranded. This is The Interface. So first of all, Lorenzo, thank you very much for being a part of the Interface podcast. And you're going to end up being, just so you know, the first guest of 2021. I know 2020 was just a banner year for everyone in this entire company and entire world. Really nothing happened, but um, <laughs> uh, I think everyone, I'm sure yourself included, is really looking forward to starting off a new year. Um, and I'm sure you are as well. But uh, Lorenzo, if you could tell me a little bit about um, Amphenol Alden specifically, and then what you do for Alden. Sure, Chris. Again, thanks, Chris, for the introduction and uh, for the opportunity here for allowing myself to engage in this very first podcast of 2021 with yourself and also to connect to a larger audience. Yeah. My role at Amphenol Alden I serve as the global director of design engineering. I'm responsible for the design engineering team in Brockton and in Shenzhen, China, along with a remote engineer working for me out of Pasadena, California. Mm -hmm. And I also have a design engineer located in Hermosillo, Mexico. Along with the design engineering group, I'm also responsible for the R&D prototype lab in Brockton. With the for the injection molding team in Brockton and also for the document control team in Brockton. So I have, if you will, four different teams that I'm responsible for, uh, but they all interact with each other, of course, from a documentation standpoint. So Infinite Alden, uh, we are a medical interconnect solution provider. Mm -hmm. uh, we, our main focus is in the medical device industry. So we offer everything from cable assemblies, which includes uh, the connectors, of course. Uh, my team is responsible mainly for the design of the connectors themselves, and we partner with external suppliers for our cable design. What's the biggest challenge for you as the head of design engineering um, in this particular market, a medical market, which is um, very specific and has specific needs, as do many of the markets that we play in for Amphenol. But what is it that's unique uh, that you always have to be cognizant of, aware of, uh, specifically to design for the medical market? Yeah, so a couple of challenges as a uh, leader of the design engineering group is understanding what the true requirements are for products. Mm -hmm. And sometimes and it's just the way things play out, but it's, you know, customers on their end sometimes don't know what their requirements are right. early up and up front. And so what we need to do is put our best foot forward sometimes as a subject matter expert and come up with a design. And then we would collaborate with the customer 
And at some point we would come to an agreement and sometimes we don't, uh, but that's just how everything uh, plays out. Now, the other challenge also is keeping up with the ever-changing technology. I mean, as we know, technology changes very fast these days, very rapidly. And so just trying to understand the app customer's application is sometimes an area that, you know, we don't have the expertise in, but we try to ask many questions that we can in order to try to come up with a right solution for them. As far as your time at Alden, which you said you started in May of of 18, so a little over two and a half years, what has been, uh, from from your standpoint, uh, one of the the best, the coolest new designs uh, from product standpoint that you and your team have come up with that you would like to brag about maybe a little bit? So in my two and a half years with Amphenol and Chris, mm-hmm. uh, I've been part of many projects, many very exciting projects. And one of the projects uh, that my team uh, has been working on is for a customer that's developing uh, non-invasive solutions for uh, kidney stone disease. Mm, okay. And uh, this product came through to us with very little requirements. Mm-hmm. We were given just enough to start the project and to lay out the cable and lay out the connector design. Okay, so as we were designing this cable assembly for this uh, non-invasive solution uh, for the kidney stone disease, with our expertise uh, with connectors and cable assemblies, we were offer we were able to offer them a solution that we thought was pretty novel. And what we were able to provide them with was actually a plated connector for shielding purposes, mm-hmm. and that was one of the requirements. And uh, what made this project exciting was the fact that we kind of knew what that requirement would be, but we didn't quite know what it was going to be, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the excitement came around the fact that, oh, wow, this is something new, and we're actually learning something as we go. But by partnering with uh, the right supplier, we were able to come up with uh, the right plating spec for the connector. And I feel that uh, what made this very exciting, again, was the fact that we had all these different ideas as a team, and none of us were wrong. It was just everyone's opinion. And then when we sat in front of the customer and presented them with this design, they were even wowed by the fact that, wow, we didn't know we could, that this was possible. Mm-hmm. And so again, we thought it was very novel from our perspective. And when we presented to them, they were wowed as well. So we felt like, okay, we can definitely work together here moving <laughs> forward. That's the best you could ask for, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let me back up a little bit, uh, Lorenzo. You had talked a little bit earlier about your history, and you've had a long history in the the medical devices uh, field. And uh, was that your first, basically, job or job industry or industry after college? Or uh, was it soon after or anything like that? Like, How did you get into the medical device industry? 
My first job out of college was actually working for an injection molding company. Okay. Out of Gloucester, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. You can't go any further east in Massachusetts. (laughs) Uh, Gloucester is basically the end of Massachusetts on the eastern uh, seaboard there. Been there, Uh, yes. Yeah, very nice, uh, very nice town and obviously very beautiful uh, sites around there. Uh, but I was working for uh, the injection molding company for about six years, then met my wife, and she resided in Rhode Island. And so the commute from Rhode Island to Gloucester was unbearable. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. It was a very long drive. And if you know Boston traffic, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. Right, right. Um, I decided to pursue other opportunities and that opportunity came up with Codvin and Shirtliff, which is a J and J division out of Raynham, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So that was my first step in the door, if you will, within a medical device company. What did you do for them? So for Codvin and Shirtliff, uh, they basically were designing uh, hydrocephalus devices. Um, so basically hydrocephalus I was going to say, explain to me like I'm fine what that means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So hydrocephalus, <laughs> hydrocephalus is um, excess water on one's brain. Mm-hmm. And so we came up with devices which, of course, where it was to remove the excess water on the off the brain. My job there was to not only come up with the concepts of the design, but also to take it into uh, development and then, of course, transfer that over into production. And so that was my first engineer opportunity with a medical device company. And did it get you hooked in the industry or it was just a matter of, you know, a means to an end at the time? Or did you enjoy the medical part of it? I did. I think working in the medical device field for me, that first opportunity was inspiring, it was exciting. And it was self-rewarding in a way because I knew at the end of the day that I was actually designing something that was a positive impact on someone's life. Right. Right. Um, So it made me feel like I was part of something bigger and touching one's life on a daily basis. And I feel like that's the self-rewarding aspect of it. Makes perfect Uh, sense. And here, yeah. And here at Alden, you know, it's similar, right? We designed the interconnect products cables and the connectors, as I said earlier, which power and connect all of the medical equipment that's out in the ORs, um, which saves lives and ultimately improve a patient's quality of life. No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's in a market within our connector industry that, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it can be very personal. I mean, because everyone is going to know someone at some point that We'll probably have to exactly. use these connectors, you know. Um, you're not always going to yeah. have that in, say, the the military world or the industrial world or or whatever it may be. But you know, you're up, exactly. you're directly affecting people's lives based on the quality and the the um, the technology you guys are discard are designing in every day. So I can I can understand that mindset. Now you said you also worked ever for, since. Go ahead. And I just wanted to uh, make a point here. Ever since working in the medical device field as family and friends in hospitals 
it's made me that much more care. So every time I step into an OR, every time I step into my own physician's right. room, right, and I see something connected now, oh, yeah, I know how that's made. Right. And I know who that's made by. Yeah. And so that curiosity factor will always be within me. And, and it's pretty cool to see that out in the real world. So you also talked about working at, I think it was Medtronics, right? Medtronic? Correct. Medtronics, yeah. And I worked for two different divisions of Medtronic, uh, so, one so, division up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Yeah. And another division down in North Haven, Connecticut. And what did you do for them? So for the uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire division, we worked on um, electrosurgery type of devices. Um, and these were mainly used in orthopedic type surgeries. They used uh, technology uh, called transcolation. And it was basically a combination of radio frequency energy combined with saline. Okay. And so basically what these devices were, and we had both monopolar and bipolar devices, their basic function was to create hemostasis, which is nothing more than stopping blood loss. Mm -hmm. So if you picture, let's say, if you take two ballpoint pens mm -hmm. and you have saline spouting out of them at the tip of the pens mm. and apply that to uh, tissue, which is bleeding, mm -hmm. that blood would be cooked, if you will, which is creating hemostasis, which means stopping blood loss. Mm. In very simple yeah. terms there, uh, trying to explain all of the medical terms as well. Yeah, uh, which can sometimes uh, confuse myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I, I'm not a doctor either, but uh, you know, but I feel like I've become a doctor over the years. <laughs> you, you probably don't have a choice. I mean, you, you're you're around the 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 terminology, the language, the customers. They talk about everything that they do all the time. So I would imagine just purely by being a part of the industry over the years, you've probably picked up things that you never would have picked up um, had you not been part of that. So. I also give credit to my wife for educating myself. She's a surgical technologist in a okay. local hospital nearby. And so we bounce, you know, we bounce off of each other uh, when it comes to these uh, medical definitions and medical devices and, and so forth. So with her knowledge, um, it's been a tremendous help. So how did you then get to Amphenol Alden from the, the device side of things to the, the next level down, the component level of those devices? How did that transition work out for you? Yeah, you know, it's interesting how things work out in life, right? When you least expect something to come up, it comes up, right? Mm -hmm. At the time, um, I was fully entrenched into my uh, position with Mentronic. Honestly, wasn't looking. And then one day, a recruiter called me. And we know recruiters, right? They're relentless. Mm -hmm. If they don't get you the first time, they'll keep trying. Right. I didn't answer probably until the third or fourth time that they called me. And I listened to him and everything he had to say about Anthony Alden was very, very appealing, mm -hmm. as well as the position. Um, he mentioned how they're experiencing tremendous growth or how they have been tr experiencing tremendous growth for the past 10 years. Now this was back in 2018 when he called me. So since 2008, 2009 timeframe, mm -hmm. 
company grew tremendous, tremendously. And so I uh, said, okay, I'll give it some thought. I'll go back home, talk it with my, talk it over with my wife and get back to you. It didn't take long. The same, very same night, I called him back and said, I'll interview with Anthony Alden. I'm excited and I'd like to learn a little bit more about them. And here we are. And here we are. So we'll jump back to at least close to present day. Um, obviously, the last nine, 10 months has been uh, incredibly difficult on everyone, both from a personal and a professional level with the pandemic. And I know it's something that you wanted to talk about as well, especially for uh, you and your design team. So uh, tell me a little bit about what that's been like for you and how you and your team have had to navigate your way through this challenge. So unfortunately, um, you know, this crisis has obviously taken a toll on all of us, but it's also provided, um, you know, many opportunities, if you will, as well, such as, you know, families uniting more often, uh, it's been creating needs that you would never have envisioned prior to the pandemic, such as, you know, now I'm able to FaceTime with my physician. Right. I was never able to do that prior to the pandemic, nor did I ever ask, <laughs> but now it's become part of the norm. Right. You know, rules in society have changed. You know, how many times um, pre-pandemic, Chris, have, you know, did you hear that? You know, well, it's always been done that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, these days we need to be obviously a lot more innovative than ever. Right. And I, you know, one industry that I look back at is, you know, the fitness industry, if you will, or the remote fitness industry. Right. So mm -hmm. now you have these breakthrough products such as Peloton, right. Tonal, Mirror, and they're all a result for the lone fact that, you know, a lot of gyms have been forced to close or sure. put in strict social distancing measures and people don't, really like that if you will but you know for my team it's kind of similar we've had to certainly adjust and adapt but you know i have a great team and um first and foremost i think you know very early on it was ensuring that the team stayed healthy mm -hmm. and uh ensuring that you know we were able to communicate still like we were while we were in the office, communication is paramount. I think, you know, and there's countless number of ways that we can communicate these days, you know, video conferencing, emails, picking up a phone, right? right. Go, that goes a long way. Ensuring that each one of them had every, all of the basics at home, internet access, if they needed a second monitor like they have in the office, willing to, provide that for them just making sure that they felt comfortable right mm -hmm. even though they're not commuting into work they still have everything at their fingertips like they would in the office you know trusting each team member i think that goes a long way when you're not able to see them and you're working remotely and you're yeah. distance apart and trusting them you know it, it's known to have increase you know or to increase efficiency and boost someone's morale um, yep, that, so that goes a long way. And I think, you know, the other thing too is, you know, we're getting to know each other. Or we've gotten to know each other as people, as humans. When you're in the office, you're so, in, you know, involved and obviously in trying to get your deliverables accomplished. 
but by working remotely, yes, we obviously are still doing the same. But there's times where someone will just, you know, pick up a Teams call and call me and just kind of want to talk through an issue. And then all of a sudden we get into some kind of personal discussion. Right. right. So now I know that, you know, one of my engineers, oh, he likes bike riding or he likes sailing. Right. I never knew that prior to the pandemic. So we're getting to low, know each other a lot more. And granted, I've known these people for over two and a half years now, right, being their director. But on a personal level, I think, you know, that's kind of uh, the area where it's picked up a lot on. And also, I think, uh, you know, personally for myself, two adjustments for me. One was first trying to find the right room in the house to serve <laughs> as the office space. Right, yeah. And I've bounced around now. I think I'm in my third room at this point. Um, I was similar, my first, yeah, <laughs> for a while. Yeah. My, my first room was um, the dining room. And then after a while, the dining room just became too boring. And then we have this pretty cool family room in the house, which gets quite a bit of sunlight. And I was like, all right, this could be my my office here. Well, Christmas came around. And guess what? The wife said the Christmas tree is going in this room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to bump out of that room and find the third room. So I'm settled into my third room, and I think I'm not moving from this room either because I enjoy it just as much as the second room. So. <laughs> um the second adjustment for me too was, you know, trying to find a hobby um, given that sports well, programs were canceled. And the reason why I say that is I'm a huge basketball fan mm-hmm. and I've coached basketball for many years, okay. both for in-town and AAU teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys aged anywhere from 10 to 14, yeah. 15 years old. So it was like in my spare time, wow, what do I do? But, you know, I, I luckily I do have other hobbies, um, reading for one. Uh, I do have a teenage son, 15-year-old, who is into sports, so able to, you know, coach him, mm-hmm. much to his disliking. But, um, you know, I, 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 kept up my coach, <laughs> I kept up my coaching skills there. And, you know, I also uh, enjoy more family time as well now. Sure. You know, just because my commute one way is 40 minutes. So now I have an additional 80 minutes, if you will, yeah. per day. And that adds up. There's been a lot of adjustments. I think uh, the team has quick, quickly, ad- the team did quickly adapt back in the March timeframe of last year when we were first uh, given the notice. But I think more importantly, their productivity mm-hmm. has not ever decreased. That's their good. productivity, if anything, has increased and i see actually that uh some of the employees are working longer days than if they were in the office just because of that added benefit of not having to commute in i mean i guess it's fair to say as far as you're concerned i mean listening to you know certainly the challenges that you've had but also the positive aspects that have come out of of this last nine ten months yeah, it's difficult and you want to be, you know, working face to face on a on a day-to-day basis and at some point hopefully whether it's the end of this year or early next year you get back to normal. But you had no loss of productivity and it, you know, you learn something out of this and trying to pay, take the positives away. Um it sounds like that has been the case and if so it's that's heartwarming then. That's that's good. That's what you hope happens. 
Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, if someone were to ask me, what is the one thing that you truly miss mm-hmm. about not being in the office? On a jokingly side, I would have to say not having my kitchen within close proximity, being an Italian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I hear you. Yeah. Uh, I find myself, and I'm a big coffee drinker, whether it's uh, espresso or just regular, you know, flavored coffee, but I have to have at least three to four to five cups some days just to yeah. keep up, uh, to keep me going. But I think, you know, just the uh, company culture, missing yeah. out on that company culture aspect of it, right? Sure. And not having those personal interactions with colleagues, you know, being a leader, uh, um, in various types of meetings, I'm always gauging one's reaction. And sometimes people, you know, whether you're on virtual conferencing um, of any sort, you're not able, and they don't have their camera on, you're not able to gauge that. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, someone were to ask me what I'm missing, I think those would be the top two. And I think another one would be not being able to get a, a quick answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I can just step out of my office and go to someone's desk and ask, hey, Jim, when is this due? Right. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. what is the status of this? And he would be able to answer me. Right. Now, it's a, it takes a little longer. I get an answer, but not as quick as I would as if we were to be in the office together. No, totally, totally understand. But uh, again, hopefully at some point soon. Well, we get to get back to that, uh, at least the new normal, but something that you're used to from a, a day-to-day office perspective. So I'll shift gears here as we start to wrap up here, Lorenzo. Um, sure. I have been asking people over the past couple months uh, just to get a, a little bit more of an understanding of, of what each guest is about. So now you're going to be under the gun a little bit here. If I dropped you off in the middle of a deserted island by yourself and said you could bring one album, or I'll I'll relent a little bit and say one musical artist with you. What would that be? A musical artist, huh? Yeah, or album, whichever one you wanna, whichever one pops to the to the forefront of your mind. Okay, you know, growing up in um, so I'm originally from uh, Waterbury, Connecticut, about two hours north of New York City, and Waterbury, Connecticut, way back in the days was predominantly Italian. And so always heard Frank Sinatra songs okay. everywhere I went. Yeah. So I would definitely uh, enjoy to have uh, Frankie on a deserted island with me. Stick with the classics. Old blue eyes, huh? Just That's right. <laughs> How about yeah. a book? If you could bring a book with you, what would the book be? So there's an author out there by the name of Mark Crawley. Uh, and he has a book uh, titled uh, Lead from the Heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you heard about that? No. Book? Okay. No. I've heard the name, um, but I don't know really anything about it. Yeah, I think it's about, gosh, maybe three, four years old. I think it came out 17, 18 time frame. Uh, but it's all about transformational leadership uh, for the 21st century. And basically... Uh, what he's where what the gist of it is is today's leaders need to lead with their heart more than more so than with their mind, and this is uh, mainly geared towards 21st century employees, of course, mm-hmm. uh, who need to feel um, you know valued, respected, right. uh, cared for, developed, right? So as you're reading through this book, there's a lot of the emotional intelligence, if you will, 
that comes out of it. And, you know, that's my type of style. I feel like, you know, as a leader, obviously I, you know, have to care for my employees, but I also want to care for them because uh, it's a, you know, in re- it's a two-way street, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Um, respect them, they'll respect you. And at the end of the day, everyone wants to get respected. Everyone wants to feel valued and wants to get developed. So I respect the, the and it sounds like a, a fantastic read. I might have to check it out. I'm going to challenge you, though, in that you really want to read that on a deserted island? <laughs> don't you want something a little bit more entertaining i mean no offense but <laughs> yeah. that is true but then again i am on a deserted island so i don't know what else could be entertaining out on a deserted island okay. all right other fair than enough perhaps swimming other you know swimming in the waters with i don't know what other type of animals might you know exist who knows out there. we'll say jellyfish for the purposes of this island um, yeah. All right. So the last one then is is what movie would you want to watch? I'm assuming it's either Hoosiers or Blue Chips, uh, based on your basketball coaching prowess. Those are good guesses. Uh, but again, I'm going to take it back to my heritage, my Italian heritage, and I'm going to go with uh, a Bronx Tale. Oh, good one. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, that movie, um, and there's, as you know, many of those types of movies, right, that have come out, right, uh, anywhere from The Godfather. And so forth. But, you know, this movie here, I can watch over and over again, Chris. That's the one, huh? Um, and, you know, mainly because, again, it te- I, I thought, you know, that movie taught the importance of being a family, mm-hmm. right? Um, the value of working hard, building the friendships within that movie. And then, of course, there's one, one of my favorite lines within that movie has my name in it, right? And it said, you know, I believe it said, Lorenzo, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, Isn't that so also kind of, uh, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer? Isn't that from that movie? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well, Lorenzo, listen, I, I really uh, I want to thank you and appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Um, it has certainly been enlightening. And uh, my best to you and the family and Alden for hopefully a very successful 2021. Yeah, thanks again, Chris, and I uh, you know, appreciate the time. And I think we will um, you know, become stronger, out of, you know, come out stronger from this pandemic. And you know, if anything, it's going to teach us how to, again, be more innovative, find other solutions. Just like your question, you know, if you're on a deserted island, what would you do, right? Yeah. So thanks again and uh, stay safe. Appreciate it. 